Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. While you're turning there, uh, homecoming. What is it, the 10th of September? I think. Second Sunday in September. I believe it's the 10th. Is that correct? Okay. Uh, go ahead and keep that in your mind. Uh, it's coming up and, uh, in about a month. So, uh, uh, Wesley Whidbey uh, will be preaching for us that morning. He's a, a good friend of mine that we, uh, we uh, met when I pastored North Hills Baptist and uh, became good friends and God's using him in, in a remarkable way. I believe now, and I'm going to get this correct, and I might have to correct this, but I know he was the youth pastor of uh, First Baptist Church Strawberry Plains, but now I think he's become their assistant pastor. So, uh, but he'll be coming uh, the 10th of September, and uh, let's, uh, let's, let's fill the building, amen? Remember, we're still, it's our prayer, it's my prayer. And we've prayed about it on Wednesday night prayer meeting that we'd like to see a soul in every single pew. Let's not give up on that. Let's pray for that. And, uh, and while we're praying for that, let's also be willing to be uh, uh, the, the way that God can answer that prayer. So uh, homecoming would be a great way to see that happen. So uh, let's be praying for it. Wesley, Wesley will be with us uh, September the 10th. So uh, you pray for him and we'll have a good meeting. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter number 1, verse number 14. If you're there, say amen. Amen. We're continuing our preaching on Sunday nights through the book of Mark. And think about it, in what, four weeks we've made it to verse 14. So uh, we're doing good. Amen? Amen. Now remember, this is right after the Lord has been uh, tempted in the wilderness. He's, he's, he's out of the wilderness now. He's defeated the devil. The only man to ever do it. Only human being to ever do it. And in verse 14, he begins. So the Bible says, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Our Heavenly Father, tonight we love you we worship you, and in Jesus' name we come. Lord, I pray that your word would be a great, a great blessing to us tonight. Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive it. God, I pray that you would help us. Lord, we need your help to cherish this moment, that we would appreciate your word. Lord, that we would just crave it and hunger and thirst after it. Lord, that we would appreciate this opportunity tonight. We would, we would appreciate the significance of this, this time in, that you've given us, that we could be preached to, to listen to your word, and Lord, to, uh, to, to hear it and to do it. Lord, I pray tonight most of all that if there's anyone tonight that's never been saved, anyone here that's not born again, that is not Christian, Lord, I pray this word would be, would be the sermon. It would be the word that would bring them to repentance and faith. Lord, we've prayed for this on Wednesday night. And Lord, we're praying, Lord, that this would take place tonight. God, that you would, you would build up your kingdom by saving a soul tonight. Lord, I pray for this. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So verse 14, Jesus came into Galilee, and he's preaching. So Jesus is preaching the word of God. And what is the message that Jesus is preaching? And well, we, we find our answer, of course, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus is preaching. He is, 
He is preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And the gospel we know, it is good news. It, it is the good news that a sinner can be saved and born again, and they can have everlasting life. So Jesus, he came preaching a message of, of, of hope. He came to preach repentance and faith. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And what is he saying? In verse 15, here's what Jesus is saying. Now this is important. This is the beginning of it all. And what is Jesus going to say? And this is significant. This is it. This is the message. And I, it, we need to think about what he's saying. We need to ponder it and consider it. What do you think Jesus should say? You might think about that. What would the modern crowd think that Jesus should say? What, what, what message should Jesus bring? What should be his introduction? I, th- I think that we would get it wrong if we were writing the story. But Jesus, and we think, we think of who Jesus is, all that we admire about him and appreciate of who he is, who he is, and what he says, and what he's doing, what he's done for us. What is Jesus saying the first time that he's going to preach a message? This is what Jesus preached. He came saying in verse 15, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. So the time's up. This is it. What is he saying? Repent. That's the first word out of his mouth. Repent. A lot of times people think, well, I don't, I don't, I don't really care for all the negative preaching. That's often what's heard. And sometimes ministers are, are uh, I think they're wrong for it. They're trying to find, instead of, instead of letting Scripture decide what they preach, they're trying to find a, a message of... Uh, contemporary relevance. But Jesus, he's, his message is, it starts off negative. He says, repent. So what he, he's saying, what you all have been doing is, is wrong. <laughs> you all have been headed, going about it the wrong way. So Jesus is coming, so he's, a, uh, he's an agent of change in their life. That's it, that's, you could say, think of it that way. He's coming to show them a new way. So they need to repent. And I, I'm sure there's people in the crowd how dare you, you know? How dare you say this to me? Because the human heart is very reluctant to repent. And repentance is a work of God in the sinner's heart. It's a work of God's Holy Spirit that brings the sinner to repentance. Because the natural mind, remember, is, is an enmity. It's an enemy against God. Tonight, if you're born again, it's because it is a work of God in your heart. You didn't, you didn't do this. This is God's salvation. This is salvations of the Lord, Jonah said. It's, remember, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You say, well, I came to Jesus. Yeah, because he drew you to himself. I mean, he worked on you and, and, and convicted you and convinced you and chased you, didn't he? And kept after you, didn't he? Isn't that praise God he did? He kept on after you. Maybe your first encounter with this Holy Spirit of God, it it was shocking, it was convincing and convicting and personal, wasn't it? It was you. I mean, it was, he was after you. And there was uh, many people in the room, but he was after you. And thank God, amen, he was after you, amen. And this is a work of God. Repentance is God's work in the heart of the believer. So Jesus says, in the sinner, Jesus says, repent ye and believe the gospel. So let's, 
let's try to understand this in a greater sense. So what is repentance? Now remember, we've, I've said it often. Biblical repentance is not sinless perfection. It is not sinless perfection. If, if that was the case, then what John said in 1 John chapter 1, if any man say he hath no sin, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. Amen? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what is the scripture saying? Even though I'm a Christian, that there's still sin in your life. So this isn't sinless perfection. So some people, some people have a false understanding of repentance. They won't come to Jesus because they think they have to be sinless in order to come. But why would you come to Jesus if you were sinless? Why would you come to Christ if you could fix yourself? Why would you come to Jesus if you can straighten your life out? Remember, Jesus straightens you out, right? Not, not you. So repentance isn't sinless perfection. Then what is it, is, as I said this morning? Repentance is a change. It is a supernatural work of God, the Holy Spirit, that does a work in your heart that makes you change your mind. Now, the crowd that Jesus is preaching to, they're not what we would consider the out-and-out sinner. They, they, we would think they're pretty good. They are, Jesus is preaching to a pretty strict, authoritarian, religious community and society. So Jesus is telling them, you've been going about this the wrong way. We have some insight into it in Romans chapter 10 that they were ignorant of this, the Jews, that they went about to establish their own righteousness. They were ignorant that the righteousness of God comes through faith. So they went about to establish their, their own righteousness, which is also a sin. Because anything not of faith is a sin. They were trying to do it without God. So what is Jesus telling them? He's saying, hey, you need to change your mind about this. Your way is wrong. Now, just because their sin was different from yours, that truth still applies. Repentance is when a sinner comes to this understanding. My way is wrong. My way is the wrong way. My life is the wrong path. So repentance is that. It's that, it's that, it's that understanding that I'm on the wrong side of this. I'm, on the, I'm going the wrong direction. It could, be, it, it could be all types of different ways. There's a thousand, a million, trillion ways that lead to hell, but there's only one way that leads to everlasting life in heaven, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. So it, don't matter, it doesn't matter what it is. That's irrelevant to it. It's, what it's, where, it's the direction that you're going. I'm so glad that God, this is, I'm, I remember, this, we're preaching through this series this is up to God, what verse we get to. This is a wonderful companion to this morning's sermon. You know that? It's like that God is working in our hearts and He wants us to know something. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Thank God for His leadership, right? So repentance is what. So Jesus is saying to the world, hey, you're going the wrong way. And that's what Jesus came to say. You're heading the wrong direction. You need to repent. So it's not sinless perfection. It's, it's this. It's, oh, I'm on the wrong path. <laughs> I'm, I, it's not even so much I better straighten up so I can come to Jesus. No, it's, it's the understanding that I'm crooked. I can't straighten up. And I need to follow Jesus in the way. So it's, it's a change of direction. It's a change of mind. And because this mind is changed, here's what the Jewish audience of Jesus' time thought. The ones who trusted Jesus 
That's a change of mind, which leads to what? A change of direction. And that's where faith comes in. And so repent and believe the gospel. Amen? So the kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus says. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Brittany was telling me a story of a woman that she overheard saying that I think Christ loves me and accepts me for who I am. You hear that often today. I asked Brittany today, I said, write that down, because that will fit in today's sermon. And she, she grabbed my phone and wrote it in the, note, in the notes, because that is the same, that's the same thinking in that day, too. That, it's so, that's a, that is a, sadly, that is a human response to the gospel of Jesus. Now, a godly response to the gospel of Jesus, the, the the gospel of the kingdom of God is this. Here's a, here's a godly response. I'm heading the wrong way. I'm going to change my direction, head towards Jesus. The, the, the worldly response to the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom, kingdom of God, is how this, how this lady said, I think that Christ loves me and accepts me for who I am. And like most things that aren't true, there is a portion of truth in that. And the portion of truth in that statement, I think Christ loves me and accepts me for who I am, what portion that is true, if you're listening carefully, is I think Christ loves me. That's, that's true, isn't it? I think Christ loves me. That's absolutely true. We sing it when we're children, don't we? Jesus, right, Hayden, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so half of that is true. I think Christ loves me. I would say to her, I know Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Amen? But the second part isn't true. Where she said, and accepts me for who I am. Here, here's the truth that might be shocking. Is that Christ does love you, but he doesn't accept you who you are. As a matter of fact, Jesus doesn't like who you are. Jesus loves you and he wants you to repent of who you are. Jesus, Jesus actually doesn't like who you are. That's a, that's a convicting statement, isn't it? But if you understand repentance, that's the scriptural and spiritual logic of it. So this, this is my story. If you're a believer, this is your story. Hey, Josh, I love you. I want you to repent. What is Jesus, what did he say to me? I, I love you, but I don't like who you are. I want to save you. I want you to leave who you are behind, and I want you to come to me. I don't, as a matter of fact, I, I want you, but I don't want anything about you. I just want your heart. I just want your faith. As a matter of fact, you bring you and nothing else into the relationship, and I'm going to make you someone brand new. I love you, and I'm going to make you who you are to be. Repent, Josh, and believe the gospel. You've probably heard a song sung this way, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. 
You've probably heard the story, the rich man went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. You probably heard it about in the same line. Jesus said, it, it is hard for a rich man to, to, to fit through the eye of a needle just like it is a camel. And so it is those who have great riches. Jesus, Jesus is saying, I want you, I want you to leave everything behind. I just want you. And you know what I say to that, looking back from the saved end of it? Thank God he just wanted me. Amen? Because what could I add to this? Nothing. So Jesus says to repent, I love you, I want you to repent, I want you to leave everything behind, I want you to turn around, and I want you to believe the gospel, I want you to repent, and I want you to follow after me, that's what I want. You know, a repentant life is a mark of those in the kingdom of God. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and the first thing he says after that, that God says, I'm going to build a kingdom, I'm going to build a kingdom, it's at hand. It's going to be a kingdom of believers, a kingdom of of people who've been born again. It's the kingdom of God. It's not made by human hands. Jesus is going to build a kingdom, and we could think the entrance into that kingdom is what? Repentance and faith. So then what those that are in that kingdom... The kingdom of God, they're going to be marked by that, aren't they? They're going to enter in through repentance and faith, and they're going to continually live a life of repentance and faith. Remember I said this morning, there is no perfect repentance on this side of heaven. But do you know what that also means? It also means that as a believer, that you should be more repentant today than you was the day that you got saved. That you live a lifestyle of repentance. And when God's word shows you something else, something else in your life, you say this. You say, I repent of that. I didn't know that God wanted that from me. I didn't know that God required that of me. I didn't know that's what scripture taught of me. I didn't know that's what Jesus expected of me. But since you've already surrendered, you say amen. And that is a mark of a believer. 1 John chapter number 1, how do you know that you know Him? You keep His commandments. And so that you're already surrendered. You've already given it up. You're already heading His way. And when He looks back at you through studying the Bible, attending church, listening to preaching, fellowshipping with the saints, meeting God in prayer, when He looks back and says, hey, I want you to correct a little bit, you're fine with that. Yes, absolutely, because you're my Lord and my Savior. And why would I call you Lord, Lord? And not do the things that you tell me to do. Because I done surrendered. Because I left everything behind. Whatever you say goes. Whatever you say, that's what I want to do. And Jesus, when my flesh is reluctant to that, I'm I'm so committed, this should be the heart. I want you to help me to do it. I want you to turn briefly to 1 John chapter number 3. Remember I said that repentance is the... It is a mark, it is a description, it is a characteristic of those that have come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. And I, this would have been a better companion maybe from, to this morning's sermon, but good thing you're back tonight, amen? So 1 John chapter number 3, remember this is a description, this is a, a book that our joy might be full, that we can find out if we're Christians, that we could... We could not doubt that we're Christians. And in 1 John chapter number 3, verse 5, the Apostle John, and he ought to know something about it, because remember he said, I walked with him, I handled the word of life. I, 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 I saw Jesus, I walked with Jesus. He even saw him die. 
In verse 5, John says, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So Jesus came to take away your sins. So the more you follow Jesus, the more he's saving you from those sins. So you're living a repentant life. In verse number 6, notice this description. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, and whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Now you might think, well that sounds an awful lot like sinless perfection, but notice the word sinneth is in a present tense, and that means anyone who habitually lives a life of present sin doesn't know him. Verse 6, look at verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you, so don't be fooled about this, God says. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Now, let's stop there. How do we know what is righteous? We know that from the word of God, amen? We know what is right, what is wrong, what is righteous, what is holy, what is moral, what is unmoral, what is virtue and and doesn't have virtue. We know that from the word of God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you as a believer, you want to live a straighter life following Jesus, then you need to spend more time in his book. This is how we learn how to walk, amen? This is how we grow as Christians. And so, verse number 8, he that committeth, that's a habitual sin, he that committeth someone who's living in sin, who is unrepentant, someone that is living an unrepentant life means what? They have not repented. They're heading the wrong way. They're still headed the wrong way. Now, we all sin, right? We all come short. But which way are we heading? Now, a repentant life is this. Lord, I come short of your glory. Lord, I'm getting back on track. I, I want you back, and I want to get back with you. And this is someone who, yes, sins, but it is not the habit or the state of their life. Verse 8 again. He that commits sin is of the devil. Do you hear that? Say, no, that's not true. Hey, that's Bible. Amen? Somebody might say, well, can you believe that Josh Green said whosoever lives a lifestyle of unrepentant sin, Debbie, is of the devil? I didn't say that. (laughs) Scripture said that. Can you believe what the preacher said at Westside? That anyone who is out there living in an open lifestyle of sin is of the devil. Hey, that's what John the Apostle said. He that committed sin is of the devil. Why? Why? Because for the devil sin is from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So that, that's obvious, isn't it? And so if the Son of God is living in your heart, guess what he's doing? He, Jesus was revealed to destroy the works of what? The devil. Whosoever, verse 9, is born of God doth not commit sin. Whosoever is born of God does not live a lifestyle of continual, habitual sin. Amen? You know, we should really allow that to be the conviction of our life. If we want to follow Jesus, then we're going to have to follow him in the word. We can't follow a sentimental Jesus. We can't Jesus that we just, we've changed, we've created a Jesus in our own mind. We have to follow a biblical Jesus. We have to follow the New Testament if we're going to be a New Testament church. And so the Word of God says Jesus was manifested to take away our 
sin. Verse 9, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot live a lifestyle of open, habitual, daily, constant, unrepentant, unconfessed sin, without remorse, without regret, without shame, without sorrow, without misery. He can't do it. He can't sin successfully. He will not, he will not keep doing it. He can't. Why? Because he's born of God. You're making that up. I read it from Scripture. He's born of God. Hey, we need to quit making our own religion, don't we? We need to quit deciding what we think it ought to be. We, We need to hear Scripture and believe on Scripture, and we need to come to the surrendered point of our life and say, you know what, I'm not going to rewrite the Bible. And I want something in my life that's real and that's honest and that's relevant and that's not of man, and I'm going to stick to Scripture. We we need to stop making our own revised version, okay? We need to come to a place as believers, as a church, as a person who says they know Jesus, that we might not understand it, we might not see it, but by God's grace, I receive it into my life. We don't, we're not going to have the new revised Jason edition. I don't want that one, do you? I want John's. I want the Apostle John. Because he's born of God, he cannot habitually live. And now, I don't know the, the, the time span of that. Hear me out for a second. I know that Christians can backslide. You ever done it? Amen, right? Amen. Now, don't you think, well, I'm not backslid now, but you just said you have been. But you, you must admit that when you was in that state of backslidness, is that a word? It is tonight. If you was in that state of backslidness, <laughs> you, uh, the light didn't burn as bright as it once did. And you could come to a position, as Peter said, that you could forget that you was once purged from your old sins. Is that if you are living in a state of backslidden condition and this ain't getting you at all, like, like Scripture says, if, if you can just be happy in your sin and, 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 and uh, accepting your sin and just embracing it, then, then you need to come to this, you need to think about it. It might mean for you, and I allow Scripture to preach to you, Allow it to talk to you. Don't rewrite your own Bible. It's not your Bible. It's the Holy Bible. It's the Word of God, okay? So don't create your own religion here. Say, well, God, no, follow Jesus in the way, okay? Hear me out. You say, well, if you can just stay there. I I don't know the length of time. I don't know, but I don't know, according to Scripture, how that you can live in a state of habitual, unconfessed sin successfully. Without it, without, because you know, repentance is, it is a sense of guilt, a sense of shame, a sense of sorrow, a sense of panic, a sense of I'm on the wrong path. It's, it's that, it's all of that. And if, if you are unmoved by your condition, amen, you, scripture says, let no one deceive you, whosoever committeth a habitual state of sin is of the devil. Okay, Jesus said, "Ye are." He told the Pharisees, "Ye are of your father, the devil." That's what he said. But Jesus said, "Whosoever is born of God, 
Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed, that new birth, remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So a mark of a person in the kingdom of God is they are living a repentant life. You see it? Okay, so you might think, you might say, well, I don't know how in the world my cousin, anybody got a cousin? Amen? Cousins are crazy. Amen? They are. You might say, I don't know how in the world my cousin. I don't know how in the world. I saw him get saved, Pete. But tell you what, since the day they got saved, I don't know how they live like that. Maybe they didn't get saved. Say, yeah, but I saw him. What did you see? You saw somebody cry? I've seen some saints that got born again. They didn't shed a tear. I'm glad that Jesus don't say that the fruit of salvation is how emotional you got. You know, us greens are dry. We're dry people, Nelda. We are. You was crying this morning. I hugged your neck. I thought, I wish I did. I thought, I wish I could cry like that. I've done it a few times. I, know, I don't know what makes me do it. I don't know what level, but we're just, we're just not, we're dry as a bone, ain't we, Mama? It's even on the Jones side, ain't it? We're double dry. I'm glad that my emotional condition at the moment of my conversion is not the fruit that the Bible wants me to go back to to determine if I know Jesus or not. So you got that cousin, right? We need to stop making our own religion. We can't do that. We don't have the authority to do that. So Jesus came. The time was fulfilled. And what did he say? He came and he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You've been going the wrong way. Now, if somebody has the authority to say that, then they must have another way. He's telling Jewish orthodoxy, Pharisees, oral traditions, Sadducees, scribes, and lawyers, who had, who had the influence so much so that Jesus used it to get himself on the cross. He, he's talking to people of, of authority, and he's telling them and their followers, you all need to repent. You're heading the wrong way. That's the authority, the same authority that calls us to repentance tonight. The same authority. Now, Jesus said to repent, but he didn't stop there. He said, repent ye... And notice it's a command, and I've, I've, always, I've always been moved by this when I learned that it is a command. Jesus is not making a suggestion. You say, Josh, I've heard you say that before. You're going to hear me say it the rest of my life. It's not a suggestion. Jesus is giving a command. He's, he's not saying, would you please? I think you should. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, repent ye. It's, it's personal to so it's a command, and he has the authority to give such a command. He just whipped the devil. He's the son of God. He, was, his, his, he had a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son, and he was baptized. Repent ye and believe the gospel. He's the one that John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to unlatch his shoes in verse 7. He's the one that John the Baptist said, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And he says, repent ye. It's a command. And he said, and believe the gospel, which is also a command. You think, why is that a command? Because why would you believe a lie? So Jesus says, you need to believe the truth. And if, it's, if you don't believe it, he's commanding you to believe it. And if you don't believe it, then you're saying that he's a liar. 
Like Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, who hath believed our report? I mean, he's saying this is the truth. You need to believe this. And so when people, when people die without Jesus, they are dying in a state of saying that Jesus was lying, that God was wrong, that God's message to me didn't apply to me. And, but Jesus said, repent ye. And there's some people in the building, I know for, there has to be. There's people here today that this is like, it's like throwing a snowball on a concrete wall. It cannot penetrate your heart. The hardness of your heart, your heart is shut off to this. And unless you have ears to hear, you cannot hear what the Word of God is saying. And you're probably clueless tonight of how this applies to you because you think that this doesn't apply to you for some reason, some reason unknown to me. There is maybe a religious wall or a, it's a stumbling block or whatever, but this don't apply to you, you think. You think this is for everybody else. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now, what he's saying, believe the gospel, the good news, and we know that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that the gospel is that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that Jesus was buried and he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. And if you believe this gospel, ye are saved unless you have believed in vain. And this gospel is what? That Jesus died for your sins and he arose from the dead. That's the gospel. You say, well, that, that don't sound like good news at all. It's not good news unless you repent. It's like meaningless. Because you know what happens if you repent? You're like, wow, I'm on the wrong path. I'm heading the wrong way. My way is wrong, my way is error, my way is dumb, it's dumb. My way is insane. My way leads to death, my way leads to destruction. My way is sinful, my way is error. I wish I had another way. And this is where the gospel is good news. Because no one will ever believe the gospel unless they first repent. It's impossible. One man said that repentance and faith is like two sides of the same coin. No one would ever run to Jesus for forgiveness unless they think they needed forgiveness. No one would ever run to Jesus to find the truth unless they realized they were in error. And even there are lost people that have a sentimental Jesus and they love Jesus. They like what Jesus means. They, they like the whole thing. And there's probably people said in this church this way. They just like the whole culture. They like even the intelligence and the logic and the reason of the gospel. It just makes sense. But to come to Jesus as a broken, contrite, filthy, dead, disgusting, helpless sinner is just beyond them. Completely. There's no way that's needed in their life. It's been said before, listen carefully, there is none so bad, praise God, they can't be saved. And there is none so good that they don't need to be saved. Amen? Repent ye and believe the gospel. So the Lord, he just comes barging into our lives, don't he? Don't he? He does. Comes out of nowhere. And for those who know him, that's what he did, wasn't it, Bryson? He just barged right in, didn't he? Because he has the authority to do that, don't he? And only Jesus could do that. Sherry couldn't do it. I bet you tried to straighten him up for years. You couldn't do nothing with him. You can't. It's impossible. And Jesus, who has the authority 
has the authority, the creator God, the everlasting Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he all of a sudden just barged, praise God, into Bryson's life, didn't he? And that's what happened to all you believers, wasn't it? He just barged right in, just showed up out of nowhere, walked right into Galilee, and he preached the message that you needed to hear. Hey, you're going the wrong way. You're living the wrong life. You think you know what you're doing, but you don't. You know what? You're going to bust hell wide open. It's terrible. That's bad news. You think you're right, but you're wrong. And some would say, how dare you? Some would say, you're mean. Some would say, you're a fool. But some would say, yes, that's exactly right. I am doomed. And Jesus says, I died for you then. You did. Some people can't even hear it. They can't hear it, Hayden. It's crazy, ain't it? How could they be in the same room and not hear it? Because it's a work of God in the heart. They can't hear it. I've, I've spent, I've, you know, I've almost been preaching for 20 years now. You believe that? I'm about to say, I'm about to say I'm getting, I'm a little bit, I'm not a novice anymore, okay? This ain't my second year. I don't understand still yet, though. Why is it that in the same building, Nelda, some people, Jason, could care less, and it ain't their fault. That's the natural condition of the human heart. That's the way it is. Say, well, that ain't the way it is for me. Maybe it was, and maybe it's not now, but it was. But why in the same building there could be someone sitting here tonight, and they're hearing this, Ruth, for the first time? And people, some people have heard it for 20 years and they've never heard it. And maybe tonight they've heard it. What did Paul the Apostle say? 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine into their hearts. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. In the same building... One soul is awakening and one soul is dead and dull to the truth of God's word. And praise God, though, among us tonight, there's some souls who could say, I have awakened. He arose me from the dead. No one would ever believe on Jesus unless they first repent. Why would they? Why would they need everlasting life if they think they're going the right way? Why would they need an atoning Savior if they think there is no sin? Why in the world would they come for peace if there's no contrition? Why would they come to the great physician if there's no misery in their heart? You know what the work of God does to the soul when it awakens it? It crushes it, mashes it, mangles it. It, it destroys it. It crumbles it to powder, one preacher said. It just mashes it down, and it, does, it just takes every stool out from under you brings you, like Mephibosheth, lame on both your feet. You come literally, spiritually, crawling to Jesus. You come like a leper, don't you? You have no glory in yourself at all. You're a blind man. Someone has to lead you. You're a deaf man. Someone has to guide you. You are utterly dead and lost and sinful and vile and wretched. And you come to Jesus in all your filth, didn't you? And all of your nastiness and vileness and disgustingness and all your rebellion, you say, well, I never felt that way. Then you've never repented. You've never stood before a holy God with all of your sin on you and never felt shame over it, never worried about it, never cared about it, never concerned about it at all. 
And you stand before Him in your unrighteousness and it doesn't move you. But there is none righteous, no, not one, except one is Him. And the only one who could judge you has His arms outstretched with a nail scar in His hand. He says, I died for you. Will you take my hand? I died for you. Would you take my hand? I rose from the dead because you have no life. And if you'll take my nail-scarred hand and I died because of your sin, would you take my hand? Would you believe on me and receive me as your Savior? Only people who repent have faith in Jesus Christ. Why would they not come to Jesus if there's no need? What's it the old preachers used to say? You first got to get lost before you get saved. You first got to get sick before you need that you know, before you need, before you know that you need him. Jesus come interrupting our lives and he said, repent ye and believe the gospel. Amen. I love it, don't you? I mean, I absolutely love it. You say, oh, you're just one of them Bible nerds. No, I love it because I love him. I don't know how you could separate the two. I love it. I love Him. I love His Word. I praise His name. There's none like Him. I worship Him. There is nobody like Him. Amen? Praise the everlasting Lord. Amen? Praise Him. Worship Him. Praise. Surrender all. Serve Him. Give it all up for Him because there is nobody like Him. Amen? Nobody's like Him. And He will do for you what nobody can. So what, what do I do? Repent. You're heading the wrong way. Turn and head which way? Believe on the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. Amen? Oh, I love it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. 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 As I said this morning, maybe there's one here tonight. You think, well, there can't be. Please open your eyes. <laughs> please, please. Every day you come to church, if you're a believer, you should pray, Lord, may, Lord, save a soul. This could be the day. This could be the day that little sinner gets saved. That young person we've been praying for, this could be the day all the youth programs and Bible schooling and sermons and Sunday schooling, this could be the day they get born again. You say, well, they, they can't do it. I know they can't. This is a work of God, and we want to participate. You know what? If I was the Lord, I would send lost people to the church as praying for lost people to know Jesus as their Savior. Amen? They'll be a part of the kingdom of God and the advancement of his kingdom. So tonight, I, I'm, I'm most definitely sure of it. There might be one or two here, and they've never been born again, ever. They've never repented of their sins of their life, of their direction, of their ideas, of their beliefs, of their, of their will. They've never repented of that. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. They've never come to the understanding they're heading the wrong way. Unless something should happen, I'm doomed and lost to a devil's hell. Turn from sin. Turn from your attitude of sin. Turn from the direction of sin. And then what? Who should I turn to? There is a Savior on a cross bleeding and dying for your sins. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up on a cross. And whosoever believeth upon him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So what I need to do, it's so simple. You just say, Lord Jesus, save me. 
Lord, I come to you. I just want you. I need you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. So what do I have to say? Hey, the Lord understands what you're saying. He understands. You come to Jesus. You come to Jesus. Maybe if there's one here tonight that would like to say that. Say, Brother Josh, I need a Savior in my life. I need to be born again. I tell you what, I'd love to show you simple John 3, 16. I'd love to help you if I can. You obey the Lord Jesus Christ tonight and don't head your way. Amen? Let's sing together. Amen.